Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Nate. We're back in the green room. It's time to talk about movies that are related to the MCU. Talk about, okay, so I saw these. Uh, I saw this musical. I saw three musicals in three days, guys. I went to an advanced screening. If everybody's talking about Jamie, the music was terrible. And I feel like I can say that one, I wasn't embargoed, but two, even if I was, the music for this movie's been out for a while. It's because it was on the West End. And then I saw Annette, which you know we've talked about on this podcast before. And let me tell you, Adam Driver, I missed him, but. This was definitely the performance for him to come back on because it was a, it was the most Adam Driver I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I saw In the Heights again earlier today, and it still rules. Uh, but I have a feeling that none of you saw that, and none of you saw this advanced screening of everybody's talking about Jamie because that would make sense because <laughs> it's not out yet. And if you saw nope. In the Heights, you probably saw it like three months ago and forgot what you thought of it. Oh wait, wait. <laughs> We, no, I'll tell you that later. I have a funny story about In the Heights, but I'll, I'll save it for later. Uh, but what did you guys watch? Because I think I watched it too. I watched a documentary on Amazon. <laughs> no! <Prime called> Farmland. <laughs> Stop it! We invited Tori on here. I, this is the last time I tried to like ease you into something so it doesn't sound like we're scripted. We invited Tori back. Not for what if. Sorry, Tori. We invited her back because we all saw The Green Knight. She talked yes. about when she was on the last and, Right. Yeah, the last time uh, when... Tori was on with the green room. Uh, she talked about the green night trailer and I think, yeah, we had, we all had quite a conversation. <laughs> like it was a pretty long conversation. Uh, you get three theater people together to talk, to talk, uh, movies, films, same thing. <laughs> movies, green room, films, green TV. night, green room, green, green room, night, green night, green night room. Green, yeah. Yes. Like free meal. Green night, free meal. Uh, So, so yeah, we've all seen the Green Knight, and now we're all back in the green room to talk about the Green Knight. Um, I saw the Green Knight at Marcus Cinemas in O'Fallon, Illinois. Tori, tell us where you live so we can find out what movie theater you go to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, funnily enough, I was out of town, and I actually saw it at the Marion Theater. What? Uh, I was yeah. actually hoping you would yeah, be like, that's I actually where I saw, saw it. Music Box 2, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, no, I was out of town when, when it dropped, and I was going to see it as soon as possible. So, like, I saw it on day two, and I was in Marion. Nice. So. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, so, I've got notes. a... Yeah, I've got some film notes here. Uh, so, the movie was first announced in November of 2018. Um, Tori, I know, like, you had been saying that because you're a, you're a fan of Arthurian legends and like, that's a long time to wait from the time that you hear about it. And then 2021, you know, uh, so yeah, cast negotiations and principal photography began spring 2019 in Ireland. Danny's got a point to counter me. No, 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 no. I just got to say about David Lowry. I just got to say about David Lowry is he announced that he was doing a Peter Pan movie as soon as Pete's dragon came out in November 2016, and he just now began shooting it. So, <laughs> wow, I've been waiting longer on a different David Lowry movie. I'm just saying, go on, sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, Pete, 
Pete's Dragon, Pete's Pan. Um, the exactly. world premiere <laughs> was originally to be held at uh, the South by Southwest Festival on March 16, 2020, uh, followed by an original theatrical release on May 29, 2020. However, the festival was canceled and the film was pulled due to COVID, um, Darkest Timeline. Uh, the film was eventually scheduled to release July 30th, 2021 which is why we are all now talking about this well we're all talking about this now uh so yeah in the meantime yeah, uh, was David, supposed to we wouldn't have a podcast so exactly yeah so <laughs> so maybe not darkest timeline maybe well best timeline I don't it's know. also not uh, the darkest timeline because of your next point in your notes in the meantime david lowry <laughs> spent six months re-editing and reworking the film uh, as he was not satisfied with the original cut of the film. I think good. Like, I think that it was good that he went back and revisited um, that. No, I agree. We'll find out. You'll find out. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the film slightly overperformed at its box office debut, bringing in $6.8 million and finishing third um, opening weekend behind Jungle Cruise and Old. It beat the Matt Damon movie uh, on opening weekend, which I thought was pretty impressive because the Matt Damon movie is a studio film and A24 is the definition of independent. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how much the I don't know the budget of the film to know it what is, its profit. I remember right. He said it is more than 14 million. No, excuse me, more than like 8 million, but less than 24 million. That is exactly what he has said. Because, That's a big range. Well, no, no, because wow. it was initially That's budgeted. That's really helpful and narrowing it He said it was it initially down. budgeted around $8 million, but then he went over budget. But it's still eligible for independent awards, which the limit for independent the film indie awards are $24 million. So, mm. But I also think mm. regardless, even if it was $24 million, it's going to make back its money anyway. So it doesn't I mean, really matter. I'm just <laughs> saying, I, I'm doing a You say it's a big fluctuation. And I'm selling... But for movies, uh, it really isn't. <laughs> I'm doing a fundraiser and I'm selling M and M's, and these M and M's cost anywhere between eight million and twenty four million dollars. So how much are you willing to spend <laughs> on? Them? Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, let's go into uh, general general thoughts. Um, I'll start it off, uh, being as my name's the first one on the list. Uh, uh, this is the f- uh, first film. For some reason, I feel like this is a this is a hot take. This is my first film that I've seen made by this studio. Um, it's the first film, and it is the first film that I've seen in theaters since the beginning of this podcast that I'm willing to give a five out of five. Um, oh dang! What? Yeah, you liked it yeah, more than I did. <laughs> that's that's why, Danny. That's why I, I sent you said I think I'm going to have the highest um rating of this and uh tori steaming i I can see it just she's just like she's like all right tyler i'll find you uh, uh, i'm ready i'll write you off it's funny that i think i think i'm probably gonna be more more combative than you are even though i have it lower i'm probably gonna but go on this is this is now um why is with uh torrent dan Um, Dan. wait wait, okay but uh, tyler do you have more to say uh, yeah, so I thought I thought that it's it's a film that's definitely worth rewatching. 
uh, multiple watches. Like I, I want to go back and watch this again. Black Widow. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, now Luca, I would go back and rewatch. I, I'd re- rewatch it. Um, in theaters. Um, well, <laughs> I did. I come did to Chicago it. in a few weeks. <laughs> I'm screening it. Oh, there we go. Uh, so everyone's invited. So yeah, no, this. <laughs> Uh, this is a screening specifically not like Tyler is specifically not allowed to be (laughs) at this screening. Right. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, five out of five, it's, it's not a movie. Like once it's out on DVD, I think like, yeah, I'll get it on Blu-ray, but it's going to be a film kind of like interstellar that I'm going to, it's going to sit on the shelf and I'll be proud that I, that I own it. But I'm I'm like I'm gonna treat it with reverence and I'm not exactly going to watch it all the time. Uh and uh yeah, I I was I was really I was really impressed with it. And I'm this may be the first uh Dev Patel film that I've Have seen. Have you seen Last Airbender? I haven't, I haven't no. Okay, good. <laughs> I know he's Zuko in that. What movie? <laughs> Wait, what movie? That movie doesn't exist. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, Danny, what about you? I thought the movie ruled, um, but I gave it a four out of five. I don't think it's a lot. Well, I'll be clear. The highest grade I've given a David Lowry movie is a four out of five, but I still don't think this is David Lowry's best work. I think, uh, so I'm going to talk, you know, Caleb, right? Who came on this podcast for when we talked about, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier is he I have is, heard of him, yes. Yes. Uh, he has this thing. I think every filmmaker has a thing, but I use him as my example because I know his, is that uh, he always talked about Mike Flanagan, who is the guy who made uh, Dr. Sleep, Gerald's Game, and those Haunting at Hill Houses shows on uh, Netflix. And he talked about how mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan is a very interesting filmmaker who's yet to make a truly great film. Uh, and I think everyone who at least was a film major in college has a filmmaker like that. And to me, it's always been David Lowry. I think... I've watched every David Lowry movie, besides his debut, which is impossible to find. Um, my take on David Lowry is actually generally controversial around the film people, is that I think his indie movies are generally way worse than his mainstream movies, because he really traffics in a type of excess in his indie movies, that his, like, Pete's Dragon and The Old Man and the Gun, which is it's technically indie, but I feel like it's more, it's like, it's like an old person adventure movie type of thing. Little Man the Gun, it's mm. Robert Redford's, was designed to be his last movie until Endgame came out and he did a cameo for it. But in all wrong <laughs> purposes, Robert Redford counts The Old Man the Gun as his last movie. Um, but anyway, I think um, I prefer those works by David Lowry than his indie works. Uh, but I think this is actually his best indie film yet. Uh, and I think it's because I'm familiar with King Arthur Legends and I know Tori's probably going to fight me on that. Uh, that I read this at in high school, and I didn't remember most of it. In fact, after I saw the movie, I read the Wikipedia article of the original poem to refresh myself, and that actually made me like it a bit more. I I don't know. I have stuff to say, but I'm going to let Tori say her thoughts first, because I feel like it's going to be a bit preemptively combative, and I don't want to be like that. So, Tori, what are your thoughts on the film? Oh, wait, wait. I do want to say one thing. I think Dev Patel is fantastic in this. <laughs> Dev Patel is really great in this. <laughs> and Alicia Vikander. Oh, I can remotely. I think they're both really great at it. Mm. I yeah I can completely agree with that and the thing is with this I know it seems like I'm going to come in very combative and on some parts I probably will but overall like this is the most conflicted I've been about my opinion on a movie 
because, you know, when we get into like things we liked, you know, I'll talk about this more, but it's just so, I loved it as a film overall, like the atmosphere and all of that was just amazing. But then when it gets into, see, this is just going into details of later. So I'll just overall say that I was very conflicted of how I felt about this movie. And I feel like I can't give it an overall rating because my ratings for cinematography and my ratings for like movie like plot are completely Mm. different so i can't really i feel like i can't give an average because it just wouldn't do justice to my differing of opinions so no no loki's out of loki's on on this one then no (laughs) no no loki's out of loki's no i'm kidding Um, yeah i will say that uh this film has been it's a nominee for the mid-season award by the hollywood critics association for most anticipated film for the rest of 2021 well that makes sense this was, this was the big art house movie this was the thing yeah. that the art house crowd looked at as um the big return to the theaters movie and it said because as mm. we said it was supposed to come out in may of 2020 and it just got delayed a full year because 824 doesn't have a streaming service and yeah it, and this was also like and it made money it's making money for them like this was designed to make money for them which is mm-hmm. something that most of their movies are mm-hmm. not actually designed to do uh, <laughs> or like rather they expect to have more thin margins than this one will um i also think uh the important thing on why i got delayed so much is that unlike say minari which is another two four movie that came out last year this has like no actual oscar potential outside of technical awards and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean the fact that the Oscars don't like fantasy, especially yeah. fantasy like this. <laughs> so, right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was like uh, that was something at the end. Like my takeaway from the film is I was like, I really appreciate this film for what it is. I don't I don't know how many awards, you know, it'll it'll get. I, I don't hope it gets much attention stuff, to the awards. But but I was like, you know, like, yeah, this I much better uh, representation of Arthurian tale, in my opinion, than Transformers five or whichever one that has what's his name? Odin running around saying, did you see me getting ready to fight you? Transformers. (laughs) I'll I'll keep quiet a bit. Still, I'm I'm ready to fight you on one of your points story already, but we're not there yet. Oh boy. Uh, All right. So, Uh, let's go into, uh, one thing that we liked about the film. Um, Danny, do you want to start us? Yeah. I mean, um, so David Lowry, I don't, I don't, I think actually a good person to compare David Lowry to, at least for Tyler to recognize is Marielle Heller, where they're both very underrated filmmakers of now. Marielle Heller is the person who directed, can you ever forgive me? Um, they're very underrated filmmakers for right now. The difference is Marielle Heller makes movies that should be actually getting attention because they're all Oscar mm. bait movies and they weirdly do not bait the Oscars, even though they're great. Uh, but one thing I th- and I'm bringing, bringing that up is because I think we talked about it during Can You Forgive Me? And I think it's here too, is that this has a really phenomenal score. And it actually kind of also, I can also relate this back to last week when we talked about Daniel Destin, Destin Daniel Credin, where the reason I bring up all these these indie directors is they all have this composer who really only does movies with them, and I think they all do really great scores. Mm. Uh, and they're all they're always underrated by people because they don't do other scores. That's really it. Is like they only work with the director who exists. Yeah. I thought this was actually 
I don't know if it's Daniel Hart's best score, because I actually really like his Pete's Dragon score as well. But to return to that fantasy realm that Pete's Dragon was in and also have it be more of a... I don't think this is a horror movie. I think it's marketed as a horror movie. I think this is very much fantasy. Uh, maybe dark fantasy. Yeah. But it's there's no actual horror element to it. Um, but I just thought the score was so good. And I guess that kind of also goes with the sound design and the technical elements of the movie. Uh, I think this was the most technically adept um, Lowry film I've seen. Which is probably the reason I can easily be like, it's mm-hmm. the best of his indie movies. Uh, but yeah, gotcha. I, I, the score is really great. The score is great. I, I can yeah. see myself jamming mm-hmm. to it when driving at night. You know, seems <laughs> it felt like a, yeah that type of thing. But yeah, yeah. I I right. will say like about yeah. the score is that it it seemed like the like the instruments that you would hear, like the music we heard, were actually from instruments that would have been some resembled something of of that time, and then also it had this blend of more a modern sound to it which reef i mean reminds us that this is a retelling of a classic tale yeah i love the opening <laughs> song i just, just yeah. remind me of it of the uh a, what is it it's a cinematic adaptation of the chivalric romance or something yes i love that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's like, you know, where I said, you know, why I have such conflicting views with this movie is because as a movie itself, I mean, cinematically, absolutely gorgeous. The score was amazing. Um, The cinematography was gorgeous. I loved I loved having the I don't know what you call them, like the the placement cards, basically, Mm -hmm. of like what's happening as we go, because that that felt that felt very um. Yeah, that felt very much, you know, like a literature motif, you know, being used in a movie, which is what this story is. So I loved that. And I loved um, Dev Patel in it. You know, all of these aspects, like as a cinematic experience, I've adored it. My issues just come into details later. Mm. But like as a cinematic experience, I, I had a great time. I do think that I do appreciate David Lowry's work just from the little I've experienced of it now. Like I like where his arts his his i don't know what to say his directing style i guess i appreciate there's just a few things i'd like to talk all to of about. you by the way all of you and this is to the listeners as well if you haven't seen it we all know you have disney plus because this is a podcast where we discuss disney plus shows please check out pete's dragon if you haven't i it's definitely my favorite of his uh the new pete's shot. dragon mm-hmm. yes not the, the old one. pete's dragon yeah the, the, the really older good. pete's dragon is very aged it shows yes. its age <laughs> yeah but the uh, new one is so good um, yeah, yeah, I I liked uh, one thing I liked about this film was the I liked the mythos. Um, it was incorporated into the mythos was incorporated into the story. It wasn't something that was pushed on us. The characters just lived in it, you know, um, and like mm-hmm. they didn't outwardly say King Arthur, but we knew who was King Arthur. We knew who Morgan Le Fay was. We knew who, uh, I bet it's Samwise Gamgee and I don't Actually, know why. Actually, I didn't know who Morgan Le Fay was. I'll be totally honest. It took me a bit to catch you, Morgan Le because I haven't been into these uh, legends for quite some time. Gotcha. Uh, I, I so knew. I knew the what? other ones, of course. I yeah. thought Sean Harris was a phenomenal King Arthur, by the way. Yes, uh, yes. He was so good. Yeah. I will say not to not to cut mm-hmm. you off, Tyler, but that was another thing I meant to put on this list of things I liked was I'm not going to lie. Watching the beginning of this movie, I was so psyched, mm-hmm. like because I mean, even plot wise, because, yes, in the story, obviously, we don't get to see Morgan Le Fay performing that, 
or, you know, you don't get to read about her performing, you know, the ceremonies and everything that go with yeah. it. But I loved that, that connection of that we knew kind of from the get go, even if you didn't know it was Morgan Le Fay, you knew that all of this was being orchestrated by someone else and that someone was creating this. Because in the story, you know, spoilers, at the end, you find out like it's all Morgan Le Fay. Everything's been done by her, you yeah. know. So I think that that aspect in the beginning made it I was so excited. Like I was literally like shaking at my seat because it was just so amazing to see that happening at the same mm-hmm. time so yeah i'll give it that i'll give yeah, it that. the the uh yeah it's it's just how we just kind of step we just step into the mythos with with this um story and i i like that we got a king arthur story that's not focused on a punk kid pulling a sword out of a rock you know like oh well, i like that we, we got knew- a king arthur story that's like actually like dedicated to the king arthur like yes era yes not yes. like and guy richie messing around with like, it or like uh it's a kid who pulled the stone the sort of the stone in modern day england you know like yeah I, yeah and i i liked mm-hmm. i like that they show excalibur and we just know we just know you know like we all we're all mm-hmm. so familiar with with every it's very much like uh Spider-Man being introduced to the MCU, Danny's favorite character. We didn't have to revisit the Uncle Ben story, you know. You know when um, uh, you know when you 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 could do something to somebody and you decide not to, then you're responsible for them, <laughs> and you didn't use your power right. Isn't, isn't that the famous line that everyone knows? I from think Spider-Man? so. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, the, that's the famous line that everyone always. It's your fault if you don't do anything books. and you have the ability to stop it. Yeah. Um, but um, anyways, to say so, power, it's getting responsibility. No one cares. But, but stop riding yeah, around the line. It was, sorry, sorry. It was that thing of like of not having to like retread. Yeah, something that that we would we would know. Um, so that's yeah, that's all something that we liked each about it. What about something that we didn't like? Um, for me. The fox CGI was bad. Give me a cat or a small dog in a costume as an alternative, and I'll buy it. Well, but the thing to me that's so weird about the foxes is like it's I don't know. It should have been an, like conceptually, right? Yeah. David Lowry and A24 should have known at the beginning that this was going to stick out like a sore thumb, especially when the Green Knight itself looks so good. Yes, like and it's all made right. I mm-hmm. think I think puppetry would have been fine with what this movie was like. If you could get an animatronic fox in there, the fox doesn't do that much. Right. <laughs> well, in a puppet fox would have went with like we had puppets as part of the storytelling with this movie. So mm-hmm. how it's, you know, uh, so I think like, yeah, I think it would have been kind of it would have been interesting to see a little like a puppet fox, wa- like someone holding a popsicle <laughs> stick with a fo- fox on it. And they're just bouncing up see, and down in front no. of the camera. But <laughs> See, now I'm just picturing him taking the fox out of the bag, and it's like a finger puppet, and he's like, hello! Yeah, he, I, he puts it on his hand. Hello! I, I, I'm not going to say anything, but you guys are really making me want to talk Weary about Trilla. one of the musicals I saw this week, and I'm keeping my mouth shut for you to be surprised, because I assume you'll both watch both of them. <laughs> oh, Tori, um, I want that so much. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Danny, I know you're next on the list, but do you want me to go uh, ahead and go so you can combat everything I'm going to say? <laughs> well, I think ours kind of go in tandem in a way. 
so I don't really Okay, mind. go for it. I, well, if you would, do you want to go first? I don't care. I really don't. Oh, I okay. really don't care. I'm gonna go. I just didn't know. Uh, so my issue with this is an issue that I have with Lowry's other two indie films, which are uh, Anthem Body Saints and A Ghost Story. And people really like A Ghost Story, and I don't, because to me, it's trying to be a very emotional story, but it's all shot very distant from it. And in my opinion, this movie, for the most part, is shot very distant from its emotional core. Uh, and I don't know, it's just... I, I, it's a weird thing to say that I have an issue with, because I don't think this movie is actually trying to be emotional, um, and that's fine. But ultimately, when it's all said and done, I'm kind of like, I feel like it was about something, but it never endeared me to the point where it would really stick with me. Uh, which <laughs> I think both Pete's Dragon and The Old Man and the Gun both have moments in it where I just... Well, Pete's Dragon makes me cry every time. The Old Man and the Gun I've only seen once, but I remember there's a moment like in the last five minutes where I just kind of like felt like very emotionally struck and I wasn't expecting it from the movie at all. Uh, that's actually, it's a really great moment in that movie. Um, and if you've seen it, I think you would know what it is. Um, but yeah, and this movie doesn't have that. I actually think, well, you know what? I'll let you say your thing, Tori, and then I'll combat it. Because <laughs> it's the opposite of what you're about to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, and like, okay, typing-wise, this seems like a lot, but I just, real quick, I know, you know, time-wise, but I have to run you through my experiences as I was watching this movie, because, like I said, beginning of it, absolutely hooked. I was so ready to go. And then the middle of it, I, I already said last time when we talked about this that I wasn't going to be too harsh on that, because it's not specified in the story what he does with his time in the middle. And I like how they did that. I like how they put in these little moments where he, especially, um... With um, Winifred, where it's that moment of, you know, showing that he is a knight, you know, that honor kind of situation. Like, I loved that aspect. My issues came down to, I was literally so excited to talk about this movie and how happy I was with it until the very, very end. That was when it all made me mad. Because leading up to it, like, there were a few changes that I was willing to accept and that I was totally cool with. Like, I thought it was weird that he got the sash from Morgan Le Fay very early on, because, like, that doesn't happen um, in the story. He gets the sash way, way, way later on. But small stuff like that, I was like, fine, whatever. And I did read, so I did, I did do some research with this, Danny. I did read interviews with David Lowry talking about why he made some of the changes that he made. And... I do get it, like some of what he was talking about with the ending and the wanting to leave it up to people to decide, you know, him getting his head chopped off. And then the aspect of we've already saw him get his head chopped off, kind of, in like that weird mental, <laughs> you know, back spoilers, at the castle. The so not wanting okay. to see that again. I, I think people huh? will know this is a spoiler episode. Anyway. We'll put it in the description. No, it's oh, okay. Yeah. We have on the notes yeah, we're going to cool. talk about the ending anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah. How dare you um, yell at me about spoilers? I, I just kind of figured it was, yeah, a spoilers. Um, but I think my, to, sorry, that was a lot of talking just to say that I know you mentioned last time, Danny, that one of your issues you see with David Lowry is him being a bit esoteric at times. And I think with this one, there's a couple aspects of it that if you come into this with no knowledge of this Arthurian tale specifically, some it's you're going to be very very confused um and i think one aspect of that is the ending 
spoiler alert for the epic tale if you haven't read it, is, you know, you learn about the fact that he doesn't get his head chopped off and the Green Knight has this conversation with him and he goes back dishonored and all these kinds of situations that happen after the fact. I think not having that exact ending kind of changes the point of when he's hanging out with like the Lord and Lady in that castle and all of that, because there's always the, the Lord knows more than he lets on. And if you don't know why he's there and that it was all planted by Morgan Le Fay and that he's technically the Green Knight, none of that ending would make any sort of sense, at least in my opinion, because you've got, it's like, why did we have to meet this Lord and Lady in the first place when we're not going to learn at the end that it's all the Lord is the Green Knight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that's a lot of... I mean, of, like, I get what you're saying. I just pretty much disagree with all of it. It makes a lot of previous plot points, <laughs> I'm sorry, like, kind of... I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it, it just makes a lot of the plot points, I think, it, it doesn't... And not every movie has to answer all the questions you have, but I feel like there's just a lot of plot points that in the story get wrapped up at the end that you don't get, and it kind of makes you feel like, well, why did we do that in the first place? Well... well thing to me is that we're looking you and i look at this movie very differently uh and i think it kind of has to mm-hmm. also do with, um i don't want to be like my experience with lowry because that's very gatekeepy uh but no but you it's true you do have his, more experience his so that's movies fine. are Go all ahead. his plot doesn't matter these movies are vibes uh kind of actually like luca in its own little way and it's uh, the plot here and actually it felt it more here than with any of his other movies because it's so episodic the the plot is barely there and to me, the point of the mm-hmm. ending, how I think the <laughs> ambiguity, and I put that in air quotes because I don't think it's actually that ambiguous, the ending. Uh, well, I was just reading what he what he said in his own oh, interview. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, don't of, know, I, yeah. I didn't read his interview. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but for me, my, my point of the ending was, to me, it doesn't matter if he died or not. The point is that he would accept his death. It does not, like, it's kind of like, you know, people always say the end of Inception. This is a big can of worms to open up. I don't know what your guys' opinion on Inception is. But Still a lot of don't like, get it. Is he in the dream or is he, what? I was, was joking. I, I was quoting uh, Troy Barnes from Community when he's like, I still, the Inception, what does it mean? I still don't get it. Yeah, anyways, I'm rewatching there's a really good, Community. There's a really good so joke about Inception on American Vandal also. I always think about it when I talk about Inception. It's like, they're just like, man, were they in a dream? It's like, yeah, that's the whole movie. <laughs> what? But anyway, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, is Leo in the dream or not at the end? I'm like, that doesn't matter. What matters is that he doesn't care. That's what the point of the ending of Inception is mm-hmm. that it doesn't, he gets to see his mm-hmm. children. It doesn't matter if it's a dream or not. He's waited so long to see them and now he finally gets to. Um, and that to me was kind of the mm-hmm. point of the ending. It doesn't matter if he died or not. The point is that he was ready to die. And that's the honorable mm-hmm. ending. Uh, and yeah, you can read the story afterwards and find out what happened. But ultimately, as I said, mm-hmm. to me, the plot doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is right. The, well, and I think that's where um, no, no. Oh, sorry, I was like, what matters is the themes that are being presented, and that's what mm-hmm. Lowry's interested in is the idea of knighthood and nobility and chivalry mm-hmm. and stuff, not necessarily the aftermath. Right, and I, yeah, I think that's where, and that that's why with this movie, even though I do have strong feelings about it, I'm not going to gatekeep as much of being like, no, everyone else <laughs> is wrong because like I think. Seeing this movie, depending on who you are and what experience you have with either director, story, whatever, it's going to change your perception of the movie. And I think that that's 
to- I mean, that's totally fine. And I think it's, you know, I, I don't mind if people come out of this movie being like, I adored every second of it and I loved it. I don't care about the Arthurian tale. I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. It's just for me personally, because it's so close to my mm. heart. And, you know, I'm a yeah. literature nerd. You both have known me for so long to know that I'm a literature nerd. And I'm one of those people that come out really angry if movies aren't like the books that I've read because what, I'm a book what nerd. What do you think about the Great so, Gatsby? Yeah. <laughs> Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby movie is so good. It has a scene, the scene where I it's knew like, the can of where Toby McGuire. Wait, wait, I just want to say the one scene I always love in that movie is the scene where Toby McGuire is like, I'd only gotten drunk twice in my life and this was the second time and it just cuts the dubstep and him like twerking on a table <laughs> it's like one of the best things I've ever seen right. time. Um, yeah. but anyways I know we have more to talk about so I'll, I'll cut, cut off my rant there but that that's kind of my big issue with it is I think if you come in from an Arthurian standpoint you miss some of the themes that the original epic tale was trying to talk about. Or he hit some of the themes that it's trying to talk about, but he hit them in different ways. And it's just it's just weird for me as a literature mm. person. But overall, like I said, that's where I was conflicted. If I'm not if I wasn't a literature person, I would adore this movie because I absolutely love how amazing of an experience it was to watch. Yeah. So that's my that's it feels my very um I don't know this sounds it's probably a bit cheesy. It feels very I don't want to say it feels very literature as a movie, but it kind of it feels yes. lyrical. That's what I'm thinking more. It feels very lyrical as a movie. Mm-hmm, right. It's what the snoo- the snobs call a tone poem of a film, uh, <laughs> and I, I kind of I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. That's all I'm saying. Is yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I five virtues of a nine. Yeah. Anyone? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No. Danny said snoot, and it reminded me of a. Uh, I've tried a play snoot. that I read one time so that a character was named Snoot and like they were Lady Snoot and it was just the way that I Lady <laughs> Snoot yeah anyways is that like we're Miss done Piggy's chasing that score like <laughs> 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 oh, you might be done chasing it but I'm chasing it <laughs> yeah, you're chasing a pig now so <laughs> alright um, all right. So, yeah, let's talk about the five virtues of a knight. Um, this was something that uh, that played into the movie a ton. And I honestly didn't pick it up until that one uh, garter belt scene and that we all know if you've seen the movie you know which one i'm talking we about we all know the scene you're We're talking, not talking about, about it um, not safe for work the girdle not safe yeah, for work. <laughs> nsfw um yeah so there's the girdle scene and like uh when the lady says you are not a knight and i was like that's when i was like oh this is this is his this whole thing is his test to become a a knight you know and like i it's been a while um since i've read the original (laughs) tale you know um way Mm -hmm. way back when so watching this was it was kind of a like a new i mean it was a new experience yeah but uh but yeah it had been a while since i was really familiar i didn't brush up on the tale you know before i went in Mm -hmm. um so the five virtues of a knight are courtesy, friendship, generosity, chastity, and piety. And 
um, I've Id- identified each time that they go through, they talk about like they t- uh, touch on these virtues like throughout the film. Um, and uh, courtesy, I think, is when he meets uh, that the boy who eventually. Barry Kilgan. Uh, We're talking about Barry Kilgan. The guy who's going to be in Internals. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. No yeah. That's why he. <laughs> lo- okay. That's why he looks so familiar. I was like, he looks familiar. I've seen him somewhere. Yeah, where, he's probably where? the bad guy in Eternals. From the looking off the trailer, he's probably the bad guy. Let's be real. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> also, just judging off the roles he plays, he usually plays bad guys. He's so. Usually bad guys. so, so yeah. Um, that that scene was called a kindness, and so I thought the courtesy was like you see very much how. Um, Garwin is very much like not a knight. I did I say his name right? Because is it? I, mean, is it I think, Garwin mo- I think or... most people, at least me, I always just still call according him Gawain. According to according to, just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. like how they say it in the movie. I'll call him Gawain. Yeah, anyway. it, was, it was funny reading about the different pronunciations of the name because like everyone in the movie pretty much said Gawain except for King Arthur who said He's Garwain. Like, yes. And I was Arr- like, all right, <laughs> Sean Harris Arr- just doesn't care. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that's that's what I I thought that one was. The friendship was the fox, which was kind of kind of weird that they used the fox. I mean, for the friendship part, um, I mean, what does the fox say? Apparently, he says, "Don't go over that river, and you better be my friend." <laughs> like, anyways, uh, generosity was uh, him. He's like, I'm just stop you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, all right. This fox is sounding too much like Taserface. Um, <laughs> anyway, so generosity is when he go when he dips down into the water to retrieve uh, Ren- Winifred's skull. Um, chastity is obviously the Lord's wife in the girdle, girdle um, but it's more of like it could also be the um, the other Alicia Vikander role. Alicia Vikander has a dual role in this film for the listeners. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could also be the role at home. I don't know. You're saying could, could could go either way. I don't know. And yeah. yeah, it's like he obviously like chast chastity would be like saving yourself for marriage, and he obviously Garwin Gawain Gwyn whatever we oh. want to name him. He he obviously <laughs> very obviously right? we're talking like, about Guinevere. Right? Guinevere, uh, yeah, uh, he very obviously doesn't do that. Like from the very beginning, we, you know, the first time that we see him, he he's in a brothel. He wakes up in a brothel. Um, so, uh, and he also like when the lady asks him about the token around his neck, she asks if it's a token of love, and he's like, Nah, nah, don't, it's nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, who? <laughs> yeah, uh, what lady? <laughs> who? Um, and then there's uh, piety, which is religious reverence. Um, obviously, Christmas Day, he wakes up in a brothel. Um, so not what much reverence there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and, like, this movie was also a movie that could have begun with, you're probably wondering why I'm here. <laughs> and it's just him. <laughs> like, just we could have got... We could have got we could have got Dev Patel kneeling before the Green Knight, like with the axe. Well, you know, the you movie kind of does open looks... with that in a way because the opening shot is just randomly catching on fire. Yeah, so he just, <laughs> just looks at the camera it. and he's like, 
you probably wonder how Freeze I got it. here. Yeah. <laughs> let's go back to Christmas Day in the brothel. <laughs> Boom. Um, but uh, yeah, so like on Christmas Day, um, at in medieval in the medieval ages, it was in medieval age. Uh, there were three masses throughout the day, including midnight mass. There was a huge feast, which we see the feast. Um, and the early church celebrated Christmas through January 6th. So it was a weekly affair. It wasn't just one day. And we don't really get a celebration, like a celebratory mood from uh, from Garwin Ain, Garwin Ain, whatever it is. Um, yeah, we don't really get that. So like, yeah, it just going back on this reflection and seeing these are the five virtues of a knight and he absolutely did not have did not have that, you know, and we get that mm-hmm. alternate when he um when he has that flash forward. Like we see it's like, yeah, yeah. It it uh mm-hmm. yeah, I like I like how the film circled back on that. And I think like Danny, you mm-hmm. talked about how like the plot like plots really it's kind of kind of a wave in this film it's just kind of yeah it's it's like there is it's a secondary. plot but there's yeah it's, it's secondary and where it's part. like where the themes are the main thing and i think like this is exactly it's those are the those are the themes and i don't know of a movie if we've really had a movie that's really touched on what it truly meant to be a knight you know Aside from Orla- I mean, like Orlando Bloom being knighted by Liam Neeson in a uh, um, forge, yeah. So I'm talking about Kingdom of Heaven. If you've seen, not seen, seen that film, Sorry. you've not seen it. Um, no. I'm gonna do you a favor and not give that to you. I actually wrote a paper really? about that movie. I've in, heard it's a good movie. I, I mean to watch it. I need a, to find the director's a, cut though. I've only heard the director's cut is worth it. I don't think I've seen the director's cut, so now I need to find a director's oh, cut. Oh, yeah, you do. Film. I literally see people be like, it is a 2.5 out of 5 movie. Normal cut, director's cut takes up to a 4.5. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I've heard well, the director's okay, cut is yeah. like one of the best director's cuts done besides Blade Runner. Uh, so, Tropic Thunder director's cut is better, too, but that's just a whole other bag of worms. So, anyways, yeah, so uh, were, were there anything that you guys wanted you you all wanted to talk about i know tori would definitely be more of like the let's let's talk about this classic literature you know i just remembered something else i wanted to mention if i can mention it first if that's cool because it's not about the literature aspect at all it's about lowry and i think it'd be better for us to close on the literature aspect of it um and that's that um because we have it listed but i don't think we're going to talk about it because it seems like we're wrapping up oh talking about the final scene again and I kind of want to loop back to my thing about emotionally distant. Is I think there are a few scenes this that do actually match Lowry's emotional filmmaking from his previous films. And those are actually the romance scenes where it's just Gawain talking to the Alicia Vikander role that is at home. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name Essel. of her character. Essel, yes. Uh, I think those scenes are shot really well and they, are, they, they have an emotion to them. There is a history with these characters. It's in the writing and in the acting. And that is the only part to me in the flash forward at the end that actually works emotionally. Cause I feel like the whole thing is trying to get you to be somewhat like, wow, like story of a life type of thing. Uh, but the stuff with Essel is the only stuff that really works for me there. And I wish there was more of it. I wish it mm. was 
painted more as the pivotal I don't want to say it's the pivotal aspect of this movie, but I think in a lot of ways it is to me, at least for the emotional backbone of it to work. And again, I don't think the emotional aspect is something Lowry's really trying for. Mm-hmm. I just think, though, if you do happen onto it when you're making your movie, you should try to focus on it a bit more. Right. Uh, and I well, and think their relationship... To, to comment kind of, not on the Five Virtues thing, but mm-hmm. like, just overall of thematic with this movie, is... It's very, I think what's interesting is I was thinking about this while you guys were talking. It seems it's very switched from the epic poem. And I think that's where the big difference comes from is that you have Gawain very much not being what you would consider like your traditional knight to be. And then his decision at the end to accept his death, take off the girdle and all of that is him. Like, like you said, Danny, accepting it and going forward. Whereas in the story you have switched, you have Gawain as like, the epitome of like the perfect knight he's honorable he helps people he does not give in at all to the sexual temptations of the lord and his wife you know there's there's no contact at all because he completely just shuts her down it is like no not doing this and then at the end is when he dishonors himself by keeping the girdle on when he's about to get his head chopped off so you have this big switch of like this redemption arc (laughs) For, for Gawain, whereas in the story, he goes back, like, with his head between, like, his head down, his tail between his legs, just like, you know. So I think that's where the aspect changes. And that's why I really did like the mm. the aspect of the flash-forward scene, as I did like that it did keep those elements of what would happen if he just went home, like, dishonored. Not in the same way as in the story, but dishonored in a different way. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was kind of my final final takes on that <laughs> yeah yeah i thought i thought on that uh on that final that final scene i know that uh that lowry leaves it it's ambiguous and he leaves it open for interpretation um my interpretation of it is that i think i think gawain lives i think that when the green knight says off now off with your head he's meaning like now off like go like leave telling him to take to take his exit um from the green chapel and saying off with your head uh take your take your exit leave and i think he goes back he lives an honorable life having learned his lesson um and that lesson is even you know learned his lesson of how he needs to act as a knight or at least goes back knowing what he needs to strive to become. Um, and that it's, he overall learned it. Yeah. Sorry. I keep saying learned his lesson, but I, I, I've got a very optimistic view as what happens. And then we get that post credit scene of the, of the little girl picking up the crown. And I think that is he and Essel's Mm -hmm. daughter. And she picks up, she's picking up, her dad's crown and he still lived a long, long life. And he went back, married the girl that he, that he, uh, has spent his life, life with and, uh, grow, you know, growing up and everything. And yeah, I've got a very optimistic view uh, of it, but I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you there, Tyler. Um, I do think for the post credit scene, I do have, you know, thoughts about it possibly being there because they obviously were together before he left. 
So it's possible that Essel could be pregnant even before he goes off to the Green Knight. So that's definitely a possibility. So I, I wouldn't completely discredit it being their daughter at all. But mm-hmm. the aspect of I think he gets his head chopped off and the aspect that yeah. the movie keeps bringing up. Is this is this what it takes to be honorable? Like if you go and get your head cut off and you die, that's how you become honorable. And that's it. You know, there's no way to live your legacy. There's no way to continue because according to him, it doesn't matter if he goes back and lives with Essel. It doesn't matter if he goes back and does this and this, because if he keeps his bargain, that's what it means to be a knight. And I think that that's kind of how I interpreted that ending is that he would get his head chopped off and it would kind of be like, cool, for what? You know, Um, which I I will make this point very quickly, I promise. But one of my biggest issues with the ending was the line where he's like that's my night and then he says now off with your head because i i was talking to i said you know i went to see this with my mother my mother and i were talking and like she knew about the epic tale because i've talked about it for like a long time of my life of how much i love this story right 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 so she knew the premise, but she kind of forgot some of the details. And one of the details was because of that line. She was like, so the Green Knight was like King Arthur, right? And I was like, no, in the story, the Green Knight is the Lord from the house that he stays at. So I, she, that line of her of him being like, that's my knight, really just threw off a lot of audience members that I talked to of it being like, wait, who's the Green Knight? I'm like, no, it's not supposed to be that complicated. <laughs> Don't read too much into that line. Well, to me, I, well, first, I will actually answer the question, but I want to open, preface it with kind of answering what you just said and also just kind of <laughs> dismissing the question in a way is that I really don't think it matters. I think, the, as I said already, I think the point of it is, is that there isn't an answer, uh, partially. Uh, and to me, specifically, more so what you're saying with the knight. Yeah, in the source material, that's who it is. In this case, it's can just be a green knight. I don't need an answer for it. Right. Uh, right. Oh, no, I'm just simply saying that line in itself was just like a weird throw out line that I was like. Well, to me, though, I don't think it, it I don't think it is. It Joel brings Edgerton up more questions movie. than. I don't Because yeah, yeah, it's going to be Joel yeah. Edgerton. They'd have Joel Edgerton play him. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing to me. It's like we have at least if you playing two roles here. If Joel Edgerton was playing two roles and they were separate characters, no one would bat an eye at it. So to me, it's if anything, the movie itself within the reality of the world says they've changed that. But I also, again, to me, it doesn't matter. Um, but more so, to answer the question on does he live or does he die, again, my official answer would be I don't care. But if I had to pick, I'd actually go with Tyler. I think the point of the flash forward is, is that he realizes that if he is a coward, that will be the life he lives is as a coward. So now that he's going to live not as a coward... The Green Knight will let him live, and then he will go home and marry Essel because it is actually more cowardly to marry who, you know, the high society would want you to marry. Um, and then, yeah, I guess if I have to interpret the final scene, which I honestly, if you want to know my honest interpretation of the post credit scene, it is David Lowry is trolling with the audience and just putting that there to mess with you. I, I really, I honestly think it's that. I don't think there's anything deep to it. I think it's just... And being like, it'd be really funny if you had a kid pick up this crown at the end after people sat through it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think I'm actually with Tyler's interpretation, which is unusual. Usually I fight Tyler, <laughs> usually. 
but yeah. Are you, are you good, Tori? Oh, yeah, no, I just realized, I thought Danny was done, I'm so sorry. But I will say that based on interviews, David Lowry ha- does have his opinion on what happens at the end. So I'm just oh. putting that out there. Well, post-credits or the end? The, the ending. ending, the like if he lives or dies. Um, oh, okay, well, oh. sure. What has he said? He said that in his interpretation, he dies. He gets his head chopped off. Um, mm. because that's what the he, offer doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> Sorry, right. go on. Well, no, just, <laughs> just because for him, it was the aspect of like, he didn't want to put two beheadings back to back because we already saw him, his head fall off in the flash forward scene. It's so so weird it was he like, answered that. You yeah. should have never, uh, someone asking that question, you shouldn't answer it. Right. <laughs> like, I, don't, I was just reading an article, so I don't know exactly quotation wise. I'm just telling you, I did some research into it. So, full yeah. disclosure for anyone listening, I will send you to both the article, but like, there's there's interpretations we'll the to whatever. Link. I may not be quoting David Lowry exactly, so my apologies, David Lowry. No, um, a, it, I'm just surprised he would actually answer the question, you know? Right. The movie itself goes out of its way to be ambiguous. Why would you remove that? Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think leaving it leaving it ambiguous allows us to sit back and really reflect on the themes, you know. Whereas if it would have if it would have shown where the knight's like, okay, now you can leave, you now take your leave. Or if we would have seen the beheading, then like that's there's a finality to it. But mm-hmm. leaving it ambiguous and open ended. Um, it leaves us to reflect back on like, okay, what supports my, the ending that I want and how, how can it get there? Yeah. And so it, we really, we really well, dwell then, on the themes, you know? And then for me, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like it really, what matters is that mm-hmm. he was, what matters is that he was willing to do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if he dies or not. The point is the decision to remove the girdle. Um, so to me, it's like if you do have that finality to it, that the focus being more on the decision doesn't matter as much anymore as what mm-hmm. the Green Knight does. Leaving it where it does leaves the agency in going, mm. not in the Green Knight. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think like we we get to we think longer on those themes and like think a like courtesy, friendship, and generosity. Those are three of the virtues of a knight, and. Those are three things that feel kind of rare in the modern world. You know, now, like, there's not as much emphasis at, on those things as what there has been in the past. I'm not saying, like, all people are bad. We're not going into, into psychology here, you know, uh, or... Don't like, open this uh, can of words. We're almost done. Please don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I think that it allows us to really think think of those things. It's like... It takes two seconds to hold the door open for the person behind us or, you know, it. Yeah, just uh, just little just little things that at in, med- in medieval times, that was like, that's what it meant to be a person of honor. And yeah, uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. Five out of five. Luca, five out of five. Fight me, Danny. <laughs> I'm really proud of my most recent Letterbox review of Luca, but I can't say it because Tori hasn't watched the movie. Yep, yeah, please uh, go ahead. He it compares will it to literally, the It will literally make no sense to you unless you've seen the movie. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, it's it. it Tori, trust me, trust me. When yeah. you see it, I'll send you the review. Uh, All right, go. The, just the review. I'll just read it because I've got it pulled up. Okay, you have a red pill and a blue pill. Choose one. Stop! <laughs> uh, well, well, you know what? Uh, if we're done on Green Knight, we do have to say one last thing about this, which is not about the movie. 
but this is the last green room we'll have for a while. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we are phasing it to be something where it's going to be something where if Tyler and I have both seen the movie, we'll talk about it. But otherwise, it doesn't really make much sense for me to monologue about the boss baby for 20 minutes and Tyler to monologue about Sister Act for 10 minutes, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what we're doing. Um, and Tyler, Tyler's looking at me in shock. We've had this conversation before, nope, too. we have. I just, I just didn't know. we should know. No, and I, I well, agree. The listeners, listeners should know because otherwise we're not going to. Yeah, they should know. Like, where's, I just, where's the showing up in my feed? <laughs> we just didn't write it in the so, notes. So I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, uh, all right, sorry. we have a, uh, you were like, we have an announcement. And I'm like, Danny and I are pregnant. Uh, no. <laughs> Danny what and I are pregnant. You were pregnant. Congratulations. What if we just kiss? Kidding. No. <laughs> Unless. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. But yeah. But we're going to sign off with The Green Knight for now. And then uh, I don't know what the next one will have one of these. Is. Probably. We'll definitely have one again after uh, What If. But I don't know. Maybe Dune? Maybe, maybe. Clarkson's uh, Farm maybe. Season 2? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on, Tori. We're glad we were we glad to talk about Green Knight. Yes, definitely. The real question was, the Green Knight the Green Knight, or was it Gawain? Because he was a new knight. He was a green one. Oh, uh, double. Ooh, okay. What? Uh, <laughs> Maybe it was going to be someone fighting to for renewable energy and <laughs> to save the earth. You know, there is the actually we didn't even touch this. There is a whole reading of this movie about it being about uh, the environment that we're not going to get into because we're wrapping up right now. But there is an entire there's a bunch of thing pieces about this movie being environmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh. which I can totally see, and if you look, if you look for it, I think you can see it easy. Now I have Especially to, go, I have to go back and watch it. Depicted, yeah. I uh, I do. But, yeah. I will say, I like as soon as I as the movie was over in theaters, I was like, I do want to watch this like again. And I don't do very many movies like like more than once in the theater. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I I think this deserves the time spent in analyzing it and like I can, you can get something from it. And of course, yes, the film does that, but I think like it's, it's, um, original, original, uh, literature is where you can really pull that from. Anyways, I, I just realized what our next dream could be. It could be uh, if you do end up watching a net at home, we could do a green room on a net, <laughs> which yeah. I think would be a inch. I think, as I said, I don't know. Did I say it on mic? If I didn't, I'll say it again. I think a net makes the green knight look incredibly mainstream, <laughs> which is uh, quite an achievement. Right. <laughs> if I get a fox hand puppet. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'll be happy. But, there you uh, go, Tyler. That's, no, our, that's than our, our YouTube video. You're clo- that's all. Says yes. You're closer than you think. You're close. <laughs> uh, but well, Danny, yeah. we would have. We would have at the end of what if we would have a, our green room episode for us giving each other movies. So, oh yeah, I was saying in nine weeks at least we'll have one. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank um, you, Tori, for coming on. It's good thank to, you. Good to talk yep. about. Our sequel to our uh, green room talk about the. Green oh, Knight I guess we'll trailer. have to do one about uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that one though will be a lot more in agreement. Of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be like, uh, you know, it, it has the weekend to itself now that Venom moved. So 
Yeah. All Dear Evan Hansen all the time. It'll be a two-second podcast where it's just like, Dear Evan Hansen, no. And then it just ends. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if we put that up. Nah. I'd do it. Uh, Anyway. All right. Well, bye, everyone. All right. We'll catch you in the next one.